1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 181 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Monday night. And my apologies for the slight delay this week, but uh, I'll make up for it right now because I have a special guest on the podcast this week. First time in a while, but a a, a past guest. A, uh, I, don't, I, I wouldn't say frequent guest, but a, a pretty regular guest of the podcast. And uh, his name is Zach Dillard of Fox Sports South. What's up, man?
0: Disappointing guest, too, because by since the time that we finalize this time for this podcast the Braves are 0-1 so we've really we've really messed things up for Atlanta uh by doing this podcast together yeah
1: absolutely uh we can we can discuss today's game or as little or as much as we want to um I've made fun of that the existence of today's game plenty over the last three plus months and uh I advocated openly for them to take the skeleton crew to Denver which which they did not do in fact they had someone actually come back and debut not debut i guess return in that game which was definitely surprised me in some ways but uh, we'll come back to that in a second um there's been some transactions which isn't normal for august especially in the post uh deadline weirdness where now there's only one deadline but the the braves Braves actually added pretty i would say two pretty high profile names over the last week since i recorded last um so i have to ask you about them to get things started here um Billy Hamilton is now on this team, and as is Francisco Cervelli, both of whom I think, obviously, Hamilton is a little bit smaller of a... Move in some ways because he's just basically a pure role player at this point in time. But Cervelli was like pretty darn good last season and has had has had some pretty high highs in the recent past. Um, What what was your reaction to both of those moves? Because you know Hamilton, of course, has been hitting quite a bit this week, which kind of makes me laugh uh, after some of the reporting that was out there. But what do you make of those two additions and like how do they fit in the uh, in the world of the Braves uh, beyond when everybody gets
0: healthy? I guess my first take is that general managers and front offices should no longer ever complain about how there's not enough time and flexibility without the waiver wire trade deadline. There's plenty of time you have till July 31st to make major moves. And I think the Atlanta Braves are now the poster child that there are proven avenues to still improve your team when you are dealing with injuries and keep in mind until Dansby Swanson came back, they're missing five regulars. I mean, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Nick Marquez, Brian McCann, Idrin Ciarte, and, you know, the missing certain guys is worse than missing others. But still, five regular players. This is something the 2018 Braves really didn't have to go through at this time last year. And even with the waiver-wire trade deadline, they went out and got Lucas Duda, Rene Rivera, and Preston Tucker. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they, they somehow have upgraded their team more without this, this trade deadline that all these GMs and all these front office executives – Public, there was like all this public hand wringing and lo and behold, teams can still go out and get some guys if they're willing to spend a little bit of money. And uh, clearly, these are you know already the three guys that they brought in with Cervelli, Hamilton, as well as the Danny Etcheverria have outperformed all, all their waiver wire guys they got last year. And we have a whole month to play. Um, they could never play another single game, and they've already outperformed that group. They look deeper. Um, I think especially with Cervelli, uh, as you mentioned, the highs have been very high, hit 25% above league average last year, Uh, is a very good catcher. And for a team that carried Rene Rivera as a third catcher into the playoffs last year, uh, I would assume that he's going to have a little bit of an inside track to be a part of this playoff mix, especially with the way that he's hit ever since he put on a Braves uniform. And, Hamilton is that specialized guy that, when used right, and we can get into that a little bit, but when <laughs> when used correctly, uh, can be a playoff weapon with his speed and defensive ability.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hamilton's been hitting too much um, for anyone's liking. I mean, I know he had, uh, what was it, a walk-off um, basically this weekend. But listen, he, he shouldn't be hitting. That's the one thing we can kind of all agree on with Billy Hamilton is that he's not a very good hitter. Um, with that said, you know, w- with his glove and obviously his legs, that guy can be utilized at a pretty high level if you do it correctly. Obviously, like there's, there's been some famous examples in the recent past, like Terrence Gore has been that guy in the playoffs um, who made a big big impact just running wild, basically. Um, National League, it gets a little bit tougher, I suppose, because you have to deal with pinch hitting more than you do in the American League. But at the same time, you know, his defense makes it pretty valuable, particularly in a world in which Ender is not right by the end of the season, and that's not a given by any means. If you didn't have it'd be very clear what Hamilton's role would be when you get down to October. Uh, if if Ender comes back, it becomes a little bit a little bit um, more difficult, I suppose, to talk about what Hamilton's going to be able to do. But still, it's it's a it's a nice piece to have in September at the very very least, and he's already made an impact this week. Um, Cervelli has the injury stuff mostly concussions is is like, I guess the concern with him. And obviously he was making a lot of money this year, but the Braves kind of avoid that. And it's one of those things where um, I saw some discussion today about whether he's an upgrade on Tyler flowers. I'm not really ready to go there just yet, but you know Flowers has had some well-documented struggles in basically every area except for framing um, in the last couple of months. Is is it possible to you if uh, I think I think if Brian McCann is healthy, he's the left-handed version of the I mean pseudo platoon catcher. But is it possible Cervelli passes Tyler Flowers in the next couple of months? It, it doesn't seem crazy to me that I could, that that could happen. I wouldn't project it, but because he has that track record and he probably is a better hitter, all things considered, I don't know. It's kind of close.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's probably he has a better track record at the plate. I, I'll I'll give everybody that. But if Flowers was having the type of season that Cervelli was having in Pittsburgh, we true. would be we would <laughs> we would have heard about it by now, and he would not be playing. That is true. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's probably lost on a lot of Atlanta fans how bad he was up in Pittsburgh because he comes down here, and what does he have like three doubles and a triple, or four doubles and a triple already in his first two games? So. I, I think we should at least keep that in mind. Flowers is still a valuable piece to this puzzle. I'm not saying that he's ever going to hit the highs that, you know, he did a couple years ago, but he's still a guy that can manage a staff. I know the past balls have been an issue, but uh, that's not, I, I've said this a couple times and I, I'll throw this in there with Brian McCann as well is that a lot of times I think catchers are very hard to quantify. And we're trying a little bit, you know, fan brought in pitch framing and how that factors into war and baseball prospectus does great work on catchers, but like quantifying what a catcher means in a video room and prepping a pitching staff, I think, uh, we just, we don't have all the answers there. Uh, but from everything I've heard talking to different guys, talking to pitchers, McCann and flowers are really great in that perspective, in that, in that, in that role. So Cervelli is going to fit into this puzzle. I think it's really nice having, I'm assuming three catchers here in September, uh, trying to keep all of those guys healthy. It w- it would have been Alex Jackson. I think Cervelli is a is a step up from Alex Jackson this year. Uh, from what we've seen from Alex, it it just sounds like he's had a good good year at AAA. He keeps making progress, but you know, hitless when he's been up in Atlanta. And Cervelli has the has the track record there. I think he could ride the hot hand, at Brian Stifker, but just tossing you know Tyler flowers aside especially with cervelli's injury uh history this season as well as you know Brian McCann is not around right now it's hard to just say that Tyler flowers is going to be the outside on the outside looking in when he's the only guy that's really been healthy
1: yeah for sure and I, I thought that was a little bit premature as well but I always wanted to I'd seen a little bit of discussion from people that I don't think are silly so I thought it was at least worth tossing it out there. Um, we talked about Swanson coming back uh, today, which I thought the timing was interesting, but that kind of maybe even projects a little, bit, a little bit of confidence, because if there was any doubt about Swanson whatsoever, they probably would have held him to, at least till tomorrow back in Toronto, worth um, at, you know, kind of the treacherous travel schedule that, that the Braves had this week. But uh, he's now back. Adam Duvall is back to AAA, at least for a couple of days here until the Raptors expand. Um, Austin Riley's moving up. He went to Gwinnett today. And by the way, Darren O'Day, um, rehab assignment, um, still alive apparently. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, Darren O'Day, I have no confidence in actually being a thing, but maybe he figures it out. You know, he's obviously was pretty good for a long time, so that might be a thing. But I have to ask you, sort of big picture here, we could drill down if we want to a little bit. What is this roster going to be like when everyone's healthy? We can talk. We can talk about pitching later, but just on the position player side, you know, looking looking ahead, ahead to October, which is probably a little bit dangerous because the Braves still don't have the uh, division clincher or anything like that. But even if they were to somehow not win the division, they have like a ninety nine percent playoff odds on all the uh, systems. So looking ahead a little bit here, how does this roster work if everybody's healthy? Like that's sort of a rich man's problem in a lot of ways. But what happens if Ender is healthy? What happens if Marcus is healthy? Um, there are suddenly a lot of bodies who are recognizable, like obviously Hetchavaria played very well, but you know he's kind of a pure shortstop. And do you carry a backup shortstop? Like, how do you envision this roster working? Admittedly, there's some uncertainty because it's still a month plus away, and there's a couple guys who are definitely going to be out for a while. But is this uh, kind of there's kind of a logjam's kind of the wrong word, but there's just a lot of bodies to sift through, and I'm wondering what you think about how this might work if everybody's back and healthy.
0: I'll say they are guaranteed to have a better and deeper playoff roster. Than they had last season. That is that not was, a bold
1: claim, Zach. That, bold that, claim was,
0: <laughs> that was always going to be the case when you carried you know, Lane Adams, Ryan Flaherty, Renee Rivera. Um, but I, but I will say that they were already deeper this season. But the the production they've gotten out of Echeverria, Cervelli, even Billy Hamilton, uh, I, don't, Ortega, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't foresee Rafael Ortega making this team. But <laughs> a little bit of re- a little bit of resurgence from Adam Duval, they have some pieces now that you know I, I do think it's a little premature looking ahead to October simply because while that may be a a good problem to have as you mentioned a rich man's problem it's it's a perfect problem to have in September when rosters expand, and you don't have to worry about you know how are we gonna plug these holes how are we gonna Fill up, you know, some time with Ender and Ciarte out, Nick Akas out. They've done a pretty good job, just kind of being a little bit of a patchwork roster, and it, it's kind of a it's kind of a double edged sword too, as well, because they have gotten some good production out of guys, pretty much unforeseen production out of guys that they've picked up, but they've been carried by that top four uh, in their lineup. So there's, it's kind of a catch twenty two of how much stock do you put into how good the new guys have been and how much have simply really Ronald, Freddie, and, you know, Donaldson really carried this team. Flip side of that, of course, is that the pitchers have been really good. So uh, this is a long way of saying they are, they are going to have a roster crunch. And we, we didn't really see a roster crunch last year because they were scrambling to figure out who could even, you know, be worthy of making a roster. But if you think back to 2013, uh, that was the time that you know the guy, a guy like Dan Ugla didn't make the cut, and I definitely could see that we, I definitely could see a situation where a, a pretty formidable guy that you know, may have helped this team throughout the season uh, does not make the playoff roster and really raises some eyebrows.
1: Yeah, that's just kind of the way this might have to work, particularly if both NCRT and Marcus are back by then, and that that's a big if but you know there there are the absolute locks you you mentioned the top 4 guys who are of course locks to be there if they're healthy i would throw swanson in that category too as a lock to be there if he's healthy um and obviously you have to have you have to have at least two catchers on the playoff roster but Almost everything else is up for is up for discussion in some way, shape, or form. Between NCRT and Marquecas being healthy, if they were there, I kind of assume they have to be locks if they're healthy, but that's a big if. Um, Culberson's just been on the roster, plugging along this whole time, but he's not like an elite player by any means. He's someone the guys obviously like. Then you have the other guys. You have you have Adam Duvall, you have Matt Joyce, you have Austin Riley, you have Petraveria, you have Camargo still around if he was to, uh, and he's apparently been raking this week in Gwinnett, trying to find himself again. So, yeah, man, it's just kind of interesting... Um, I know it's a month away, but because I only have you here every so often, I had I had to ask you, and it's just it's just really interesting to me, and it's 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 a cool thing for as much as I've talked about, and I know you have as well, the value of depth and how it was kind of overlooked in the past, uh, maybe just within the fan base, but as you you've referenced now twice, last year's playoff roster was just so comically not deep, um, to have quality depth and. Honestly, it's now likely that a couple of, you know, reasonable major league players are not going to make this team um, if they're in the playoffs. And that's a good problem to have, unfortunately, for those guys, particularly because, you know, they could have been playing well. I mean, even Rafael Ortega, who probably is like the 40th guy on the 40th, on on the 40-man, has been, you know, a productive, helpful guy the last week or so. So it's just an interesting, nice problem to have, and we'll deal with that later, I suppose. Um I have to ask you about this week, but uh, before we get to that, let me uh, take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll come right back with more with Zach.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking
1: is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in
0: overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles.
1: All right, Zach, we're back, and uh, you know the winning streak is over, which is unfortunate. as of uh, As of Monday, if we recorded in our normal time on Sunday, this is all this is all my fault, by the way. I had to travel last night. We would be recording after eight straight wins, but uh, they lost today. But you know, this winning streak was pretty well timed because the Nationals have been incredible lately and uh, the Braves kind of needed to reel off eight in a row, as crazy as that sounds. Um, I want to center on one particular thing that we can kind of go from there. The bullpen has been really, really, really good lately. Uh, today, today, I guess with, notwithstanding, but before today they were uh, they, they were sporting like a, I think it was .64 ERA during the uh, eight game winning streak, and basically everyone that had been struggling before has now been very good for a while. Obviously, there, that's just some normal Normalization of what was going on before that, but is the bullpen now a strength? Zach is kind of what I have to, what I have to ask you. As much as that kind, of, kind of sounds crazy to me, is it a strength now? I I don't think it's their strength. If I had to
0: put is this, it to a mean, strength, a strength. It's definitely not their strength. I would say, <laughs> I would say that. Well, is it? Okay? Well, I mean, it's good. No, no, no. It, it, it can be a good bullpen, and I think this is kind of the part that they were going for. Is they didn't go out and get that one guy that you know, was going to alleviate all the other problems. Cause that wasn't the issue. It wasn't just, you know, if they could just lock down the ninth inning, you know, that, that pesky Luke Jackson just can't get the job done.
1: If it, only it, they'd signed Craig Kimbrell, Zach and his like six, his, and his six ERA. I heard that that's for like, that, weeks.
0: Well, oh, I, that's what I'm getting at is like, yeah. you know, the, the Kimbrils of the world are even overpaying to go get out, uh, go out and get a Felipe Vasquez. They didn't need that. They needed multiple guys to cover innings the problem is none of those guys are really superstars. They are good bullpen pieces to have, and they've made this group deeper. They, I, I mean, I think right now you're looking at Lanson, Martin, Green, Jackson, Newcomb as veritable locks for the playoff roster. I mean, barring yes. you know anything happening in September, I think there's some other guys that you're kind of question marks depending on what they do with some of their starters who are the long guys. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Swarczak and Blevins and, and those guys. But, you know, Melanson, Green, Jackson, Newcomb. Uh, I know Nuke just went through a little bit of a hiccup here lately, but Jackson's been great. Newcomb is um, exact. you know, he's everything you want out of a left-hander coming out of the bullpen in terms of stuff. And Melanson, Martin, and Green have, you know, kind of steadied the ship. I know that there was a lot of panic going on there for a while, but... <laughs> You know these guys. These guys put together good seasons, and they're they're good pitchers. I don't think any of them are you know superstars, and they this is not the Cubs going and getting a role to Chapman or the or Cleveland going and getting Andrew Miller or you know those those moves of yesteryear like 2016 when like all is all is well now because we have this one guy. It's not going to be like that. But if I had to put in order what this team's strength is. Um, I would still say it's probably the 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 group that I'm least uh, confident in but that's that's more of a situation of this this Braves offense has been a top five top six group and the rotation looks really really good right now um, but the bullpen kind of coming together isn't exactly a shock especially they found it a little bit in midseason and they added three good guys.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, you know, Luke Jackson, I tweeted out his ERA today. He's gotten some attention in the last uh, I guess 3 4 weeks now. I think he has a sub 1 ERA in August. Um that's some it's some positive regression. Um we kind of talked about numerous times on this podcast and other places about how how unlucky he had been um in the closer role and that's not to say that he should have been the closer and all that stuff. Like he was I, no, no one ever thought, even when he was pitching really well early in the season, that he was like a perfect, you know, lock it in closer. But, you know, he got pretty unlucky during that stretch. He, he's, I think he's been pretty darn good on the whole this season. And you obviously throw in the three guys that they acquire. They're all right-handed, which is less than ideal. But, you know, you mentioned Newcomb. They got to find one more guy that you trust that's left-handed. Jerry Blevins is Jerry Blevins, and he's okay. But, um... That's not a weakness anymore, glaring in the way that it was throughout the first half of the season, which makes you feel better. I mean, even this week, I mean, you know, just as a point of reference, they only scored five runs, uh, sorry, more than five runs once during an eight game winning streak. And that's a credit to both the starting rotation and the bullpen. There was the one game, I think it was Friday night, that they the bullpen threw seven scoreless innings. Yeah, like that doesn't happen um, very often in today's game with the way the ball is is jumping. And really, um, for about a week and a half, the bullpen was just completely lights out. And you know, it's a small sample size, but you have to pitch really well to win eight straight games without without the offense just kind of going crazy. And there was only one game that entire run where the offense really kind of burst. The, and honestly, that was Saturday. And they didn't score a lot of runs until late in that game. So, you know, the bullpen doesn't make you, I would say, feel incredible when they have to enter the game still. I think there's probably a little bit of uneasiness in the fan base whenever the bullpen has to lock down a close game. But it's going pretty well, and I think even as someone who was very critical of the bullpen and just the construction of the bullpen before the season started and early in the season, I now feel pretty okay about it. I mean, most bullpens are not great around the league, and the Braves, I think... um, middle of the pack, or better, as a as a bullpen now looking looking ahead, and that's kind of all you can ask for, given where they were a couple
0: weeks ago. And if you look ahead to October, I'll I'll kind of throw this back at you, uh, as well as Sean Newcomb. You know what we saw last year is using Max Freed out of the bullpen. Uh, that could that be an option for them again in October, despite the fact that Freed has been by a significant margin their second best starter this season. Uh, I think where I'm looking at the playoffs right now. Soroka is a healthy lock, like no question. Yeah, I, I would, I would throw him game one. I know a lot of people have mentioned Dallas Keuchel because of veteran things or veteran you know, presence.
1: What, yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> um, Mike Soroka is one of the best starters in baseball. He gets game one for me. Uh, I think Dallas Keuchel is proving that he deserves uh, one of those starts. He's given up just one run in his past three starts. But uh, I've, I've been on the you know Max Fried bandwagon. Uh, all season, I I would not kind of flinch if they gave him a start, but if they used him as a long lefty guy out of the bullpen, given the fact that Tehran has earned the right to be in this conversation, he's pitched a lot better this season, and then the resurgence of Mike fulton could that be their answer for that second, you know, big-time lefty in the playoffs out of the bullpen?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to go to that um, in a second, so let's just talk about it now. I mean, the the rotation... I don't, I don't want to make everything out uh, everything into an October discussion, but because I have you here, I mean, who, you referenced Julio. Um, I, st- you know, I still don't find myself having just overwhelming confidence whenever Julio is on the mound. But he has a three point three nine ERA this season, and he's been very, very solid. And I think that injects him in back into the conversation. Um, Fulte is an interesting name. I-, I do agree. The only two absolute locks for playoff starts, if they are healthy, are Sorokin, Keiko for me. Um, and that's if they unless and that's barring some sort of fall apart situation for either guy. But I'd be pretty stunned if if they were healthy and not pitching a um a playoff game. But you know the thing about it is you know Julio does not profile as a let's put the guy in the bullpen kind of option. Maybe maybe you disagree with me, but I I don't see that as an option for Julio. He's uh, his value would be into eating innings, so that kind of puts you into faulty and freed as um you know usually you want to have that kind of more dynamic um more power pitching kind of arm that might go into a long role you know josh tomlin is not that guy you know he's been pretty solid this year but um you probably want to have a more electric arm and you know famously we talked about this a lot during the offseason but you had this stable of really young guys who were supposed to come up and maybe help you in that role between tukey and kyle wright and bryce wilson none of which have been really standing out this year as as guys who are ready to do that so it almost has to be freed or faulty, and I mean, I was going to ask you kind of what you thought about this anyway. But I assume they make four. I assume that they want to have four starters ready to go. Is freed the most logical option to go to the bullpen? I, I mean, I'm more comfortable with freed in a start than Julio, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, just the way those guys profile, it kind of makes more sense to have freed in the bullpen. So is it faulty? I don't know. It's it's a weird question.
0: Well, I mean, I will say that. Max Freed has done this most recently yeah. you know what I mean like he he did it last year like Sean Newcomb and Max Freed dominated the Dodgers out of the bullpen last year in the NLDS so you've already seen it uh, you can make that case I, at the same time Max Freed wasn't this good last year Max Freed has, has turned it on as a starter and really in August he's been their best pitcher and it's really tough to be your best pitcher when uh, month in and month out, Mike Soroka does Mike Soroka things. But I, I can't, I can wrap my head around the fact that, you know, it, cor- uh, my co-host of ChopCast Live mentions this a, quite a bit. Of you, pretty much know when you're getting a good Julio start, and right away, yeah. pretty much right away. And could you possibly? And I, I, I don't ever mind. Piggybacking starters of the playoffs. We've seen it a couple times. I remember in the 2013 NLDS, I believe it was Alex Wood piggybacked with Julio Terran when things went off the rails for Julio out in Los Angeles. So, could you do that yet again with, you know, instead of Alex Wood, this time it's Max Fried? I think I can, you know, you can make that case. Um, I think if Mike Fultonavich puts together a really good month, I would have, I would struggle with starting Julio ahead of. Uh, ahead of Fultonevich, and it seems like every time we get into a playoff situation, anyways, I know you always want to carry four starters, but it it seems like if that game one guy is ready to go again, he uh, goes you, again. Yeah, you, you try and get him to go again, and Mike Soroka is definitely that kind of workhorse type of guy that uh, I, I you know you would kind of want to see uh, going yet again. Um, these are these are you know these are better problems to have than they had earlier in the season when it's like. Okay, there's Soroka, Keichel, and then, well, I, a prayer. who knows? In a, <laughs> yeah. in a prayer. So they're in a lot better situation now, and I wrote this just uh, yesterday. This is the best situation they've been in pretty much since 2010 uh, when they were able to go Derek Lowe, Tommy Hansen, and Tim Hudson against the Giants in 2010. Uh, the last couple times they've went into the playoffs, it's been uh, uh, Freddie Garcia has to take a start or even last year it was just kind of like up in the air of like who is going to be uh, really after Mike fulton So, So, uh, you know, Anibal Sanchez is getting a game two start, kind of some journeyman guys. It's not that this year, and that's a good thing. Um, I could de- I-, I can make the case for both ways. I can make the case for Max Free being your game, game three starter. I can make the case for him being your, you know, another dominant lefty in the bullpen. Uh, and we know that Alex Anthopoulos in this front office last year – they said that Julio Tehran did not get the start against the Dodgers, but they claimed that he would have gotten the start against the, the Colorado Rockies. So if you take them at their word there, it could come down to a matchup situation of, you know, if they, you know, face the Cardinals, if they face the Brewers, if they face uh, the Cubs, whoever it may be, whoever, you know, lefty, righty, whoever they feel matches up best against that opponent. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. And I I do like the piggyback idea as well. Like, it may not be as simple as that, but I do think that that is a a real thing that could happen. And Freed has been in that role in the past. I do wish that Tukey Toussaint was alive and could uh, fill the role that he was supposed to fill, but Tukey
0: struggled this year. That's my guy, but he's not been great. Yeah, this Kyle, season, Wright's been, Kyle Wright's been really good, too. And I'm not going to. He's come surprised. around, which
1: is nice. Yeah. I'm not He to surprised
0: if he comes up in September. And, you know, I'm not expecting this because I feel like they already have a lot of good. Established pitchers on the major league roster, but this time last year I did not have Chad sabaka making the postseason <laughs> roster. Nobody so did. this is—I mean, I, I will say this: this is a time of the year that the hot—you know—you can kind of ride the hot hand if you get a guy going. And Kyle Wright is the kind of special pitcher. I know we haven't seen it at the major league level so far in his career, but uh, he's been lights out. I think his last eleven starts in Gwinnett uh, almost untouchable. If he can kind of carry that over and come up in September, I assume, as a bullpen role. We could be talking about him stealing a bullpen spot from the likes of the Anthony Swarzak or something like that. So keep Kyle Wright in mind as well.
1: Yeah, he is the kind of arm that you would look at that um, maybe being an option. By the way, A.J. Minter would be the same thing, like kind of a sleeper, obviously not a starter, but someone who has the arm if he suddenly figured it out. Um, I'm not projecting that, but, you know, just arm talent-wise and the fact that he's
0: left-handed makes it a I little mean, bit easier. I mean, we could— we could keep playing this game all night because, I mean, there's there's Oscar Noah, there's Bryce Wilson. I mean, yep. you can. they have a lot of guys down there that are going to come up and help in September, and apparently Darren O'Day is going to try and do the same the as well. The
1: great Darren O'Day, still alive and kicking. I appreciate that. <laughs> so oh, they.
0: they it, it is worth keeping in mind that one guy that could make a bullpen roster spot for the playoffs might not be on the major league team right now. Like, I know that oh, sounds – sure. I know that sounds crazy to people that may be listening, but he might not be on this team at this very moment, but he might go crazy in September and the stuff plays. And this is kind of what happened last year with Tukey, Freed, and Newcomb was just, you know, they didn't know how they were going to fit those guys into a starting role or anything like that. But, you know, Freed's stuff last year, they had to carry him. Like, Tukey's stuff last year, they had to carry him. So keep that in mind, everybody sitting at home, uh, anxiously listening to this podcast about this about <laughs> this rotation and bullpen that uh, they have some options still coming up in September as well.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, listen, they, they have some, uh, you know, not too much cushion. And I'm going to ask you about that before I let you get out of here. Um, they have some cushion right now to where September, they can kind of mess around a little bit, not not too much. But if they want to have Bryce Wilson come up and throw some bullpen innings. They want to have Kyle Wright do that and transition those guys to get them ready to do that. They can kind of do that a little bit in September once their rosters expand. So uh, I might look for a couple of experimental kind of looks in the uh, in the not too distant future. Um, speaking of September, because uh, we're going to be getting there very very soon here. After the loss today, the Braves have a five and a half game lead on the Nationals, um, and the lead is uh, much bigger than that actually against the Wild Card. So that kind of, as I said before, I think I think the last at last check even a second ago, um, the Braves had like a 99.6 percent chance to make the playoffs in terms of just getting in. Now the division is a little bit a little bit less safe because the Nationals have been incredible. By the way, the Nationals currently have the second best run differential in the National League. And pretty comfortably so. They've been awesome for a while now. Um, I'm not necessarily asking you if the Braves are going to blow this league because I don't think they're going to. But, you know, A, is it possible? And B, what's the outlook for the next, you know, five weeks now? Because, you know, I think everyone's kind of assuming, which is a dangerous word, that the Braves are going to have the number two seed in the National League playoffs and win the
0: division. But, you know, there's a long way to go here. It's possible. I I don't want to like sound, I'm with you. I don't want to sound the alarms or anything, but. We knew coming into this season that th- this Nationals team, it goes Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. And the the craziest thing about this season for Atlanta, as good as they've been and as much as they've really put a stranglehold on this division, they have not faced Max Scherzer yet. And that to me is just really hard to imagine going the entire season not seeing him. And, of course, they have uh, a good bit of games against the Washington Nationals coming up in September. So they've gotten on a roll because their pitching is very, very good. And this offense uh, led by Anthony Rendon is fantastic. As you mentioned, the run differential is significantly better than the Braves 31 uh, plus 31 over the Braves right now. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I don't want to justify my preseason projection of saying this, this nationals team is the favorite and, you know, just like trying to feel vindicated there, but there is a little bit of like we kind of told you so that the Nationals are good. It just so happened they got off to a bad start, and Atlanta's rolled, um, and they've and Atlanta's handled them in uh, in, in their head-to-head matchups. So it, it is possible. Um, the the thing about Atlanta, as you mentioned, I think at the very start of the show, is it sounds crazy, but they've kind of needed to win. Eleven out of fourteen, like they have, because the Nationals are doing the exact same thing. And I think it has to be a little bit frustrating uh, for Washington to just be arguably the best team, you know, in baseball for you know a, about a month now, and to not make up almost any ground in the division has to be frustrating. But it, it definitely looks like, uh, and we were, you know, kind of wondering if this was going to be the case uh, when Atlanta went on a little bit of a run earlier this month, but. Um, It definitely looks like those. I think they play seven games. Uh, They have a fourteen game stretch against Washington and Philly. Those Philly games don't feel as important anymore, but those Washington games uh, definitely feel like It definitely feels like there's going to be something on the line. It's going to be a playoff style atmosphere, and you know there's a very good chance, you know, for the first time this season that the the Braves are eventually going to have to run through the Washington gauntlet of three Cy Young type. Pitchers in Corbin, Strasburg, and of course, Max Scherzer.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Obviously, those, uh, you know, the first four games on that um, gauntlet come in early September at home, followed by uh, a series in Philadelphia and then at Washington. So, you know, that's the much ballyhooed two week stretch that we've all talked about ad nauseum. Um, But even, you know, until then, fortunately, if you're a Braves fan, um, and I think you probably are if you listen to this podcast, uh, the next seven games are four against Toronto and three against the White Sox at home. Uh, that is much more manageable. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I never want to put too much emphasis on a uh, small sample size in baseball, but you should win more than you lose against that against that seven game sample. It's not impossible that you wouldn't because it's baseball. But um, another good opportunity for the Braves to keep the keep the margin at the very least, or maybe even um, lengthen it out a little bit before the Nationals come to town on September the 5th. Um, Right now, uh, this is the uh, the only one that I know of that comes and sort of updates itself um, minute by minute, hour by hour. But 538 projects the Braves with an 81% chance to win the National League East. How does that strike you at this moment? Is that, does that strike you as high, low, or appropriate somewhere in there?
0: That sounds about right. I mean, yeah. five and a half up with about a month ago. Um, so good job, statisticians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Um, And again, these things update quite a bit. If the if the Braves, as they did earlier this uh, in the second half, you know, if the Braves go in, you know, don't take care of business as they did against like the Kansas City Royals, um, then all of a sudden you're kind of thrown into panic mode. But uh, even today's loss, that you know, Washington makes up a little bit more ground. It wasn't a bad loss. They got really good pitching. They got a bunch of guys on base, and they stranded runners and that's kind of like the one bugaboo of this of this offense is that you know they're going to put up runs, they're gonna they're going to score, they're going to uh, put guys in scoring position. A lot of you know when they don't score runs, most of the time it's because they're they're leaving guys on base. Um, but I think you have to be encouraged by you go out there, to Coors Field, get a good start from Julio Serrano, pretty good bullpen effort. Kind of fell apart there in the ninth, but uh, you didn't it didn't fall apart with your best guys though. And they're playing good baseball, and I think that's kind of the thing now in terms of the optimism of this Braves team. As much as we want to talk about Washington and their pitching, now that now that Folti is back and Tehran's pitching well, uh, and of course Freed, Keichel, and Soroka have found a bit of a rhythm, uh, it feels like they have a chance to win every single night. Whereas earlier this season, it was if two or three guys were on the mound, you felt good; the other two, it was it was a roller coaster ride of emotions for for fans. So. I think they have to feel pretty good about going into this stretch against bad teams as well as against good teams. You know, they just took the, They just beat the Dodgers in a series. They just swept the Mets. Like those are those are better teams than you know than they're about to go out there and face. So uh, I'm with you. If they take care of business against those teams, uh, all of the you know all the impetus is on the division chase. Uh, the Nationals feel like they have to be if not perfect, somewhat perfect down the stretch for things to really break right for them. But uh, 80-something percent sounds about right for the division, but this team is going to play in the playoffs. I just, I just don't think you want to be in a wild-card situation and you know eventually end up facing the Dodgers in the first round.
1: Yeah, you certainly want to avoid the one-game playoff at all costs. Um, And uh, even beyond that, um, the Dodgers looming. Because the Dodgers, uh, we mentioned uh, run run differential earlier. The Dodgers have a plus 214 run (laughs) differential. That's good. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for bright spots, the Braves have the best road record in the National League. Um, even and honestly, considerably better than the Dodgers on, on the road. Now, the Dodgers are 52 and 18 at home, which is mind blowing. Um, but if you are trying to find some optimism in that in that future series, a you just beat them in a small sa- in a small sample size. But also, the Braves have the best road record in the National League. So maybe that's um, there's probably some noise in there. But part of that, at least for me, is what you just said about the rotation and. Kind of not having any glaring weaknesses, you know, throughout the season, it's not always been that way. But right now you have five starting pitchers that are pretty trustworthy and most teams don't have that.
0: They do not. And anytime that you can, and I I don't really factor in, you know, wins and losses for individual pitchers, but I do think there's some value in this pitcher took the mound and gave his team a good opportunity to win and a good chance to win. Uh, there's a big difference in that between you know referencing a guy as 15 and two as if he's a Cy Young candidate <laughs> and saying that the team is you know 15 and two his last 17 outings uh, because he gives them a chance to win every single night and you know w- when you look at the Braves staff right now it just feels that way you know Julio did not get the win today uh, but he gave them a chance to win in Coors Field uh, the same goes for Dallas Keuchel uh, the other, the other day. I mean, he only got two runs of support, but he gave them seven scoreless. Um, this is kind of, this is, you know, knock on wood a little bit, I suppose, but they've really found a nice rhythm here. And I keep coming back to Mike nevich because if he is anywhere close to what he was down the stretch for them last year, uh, when he earned the game, one start, 2018, all star, uh, Cy, you know, I think he was six in the Cy Young voting. Uh, should have been their game one starter on opening day, uh, but injuries kind of got in the way. If he if he is anywhere close to that guy, then they have to feel very very good about uh, holding off the Nationals here in September and what they are capable of doing in the playoffs uh, with this with this much deeper roster and a much better pitching situation than. I even gave them credit for, I think it was probably a month or two months ago, when I thought they were really going to struggle in the pitching side of things come October. Yeah, it's
1: a pretty good situation to be in. As much as we like to be uh, realists, I know uh, you and I on this podcast and also offline, we like to keep things in perspective a little bit. But listen, the Braves have the fifth best record in the in the majors right now. Um, they've been playing very well for a a long time now. And when you factor in that, they actually started pretty slowly. I think, what were they, 18 and 20, something like that? Um, They've been really, really good since then. So uh, a fun year so far. Uh, Zach, I won't keep you any longer than I have to, but uh, please plug everything you got going on over there at your – you are, unlike me, a full-time person that does this, so please share all the stuff that you got going on.
0: Yeah, you work a lot harder than I do, but I would just encourage everybody to, down the stretch, uh, we're always running all of our – Content writing, podcast, everything at Fox Sports Braves. So give that a follow, and you'll you'll eventually find something that I do somewhere in there. I can't imagine people people
1: not already following that account. But if they're not, please go ahead and do that. Also, Zach never tweets on his own personal account, but when he does, it's always a zinger. So uh, follow Zach. Is it Zach underscore Dillard? Are you are you? Yep. Uh, underscore yeah, N-? okay. It's, that's it's, thought.
0: it's an underscore, and you know about a t- about a tweet a week. I, something clever will come to me. I'm not as I'm not as smart as you people that tweet. Thousands of times a day uh, that fill up my timeline. I'm not as I'm not as clever as you people. I
1: think you have a better strategy, honestly, than I do. Um, just because you should only tweet something when you actually have something to say, and I think that you do a good job with that, which I find uh, a respectable choice and one that I should, I wish I made most of the time. So, uh, all right, man. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, please follow Zach. Please follow everybody everybody's content over there at Fox Sports and the Braves and uh, good stuff on the horizons. Thanks for joining me, man. All right, man. We'll see you soon. As for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast, Uh, tell a friend also, and we will see you next week.